Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Zwans, and today is the 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who caused the minds of the faithful to unite in a single purpose, grant your people to love what you command and to desire what you promise, that amid the uncertainties of this world, our hearts may be fixed on that place where true gladness is found. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Joshua. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel together at Shechem. Then he called the elders, leaders, judges, and scribes of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Then Joshua said to all the people, If you will not serve the Lord, choose today whom you wish to serve, whether the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The people answered, We have no intention of deserting the Lord our God, who brought us and our ancestors out of the land of Egypt, the house of slavery, who worked those great wonders before our eyes and preserved us all along the way we travelled and among all the peoples through whom we journeyed. We too will serve the Lord, for he is our God. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times, his praise always on my lips. In the Lord my soul shall make its boast. The humble shall hear and be glad. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. The Lord turns his face against the wicked to destroy their remembrance from the earth. The Lord turns his eyes to the just and his ears to their appeal. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. They call and the Lord hears and rescues them in all their distress. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Though spirit is crushed, he will save. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Many are the trials of the just man, but from them all the Lord will rescue him. He will keep guard over all his bones, not one of his bones shall be broken. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Evil brings death to the wicked. Those who hate the good are doomed. The Lord ransoms the souls of his servants. Those who hide in him shall not be condemned. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Give way to one another in obedience to Christ. Wives should regard their husbands as they regard the Lord, since as Christ is the head of the church and saves the whole body, so is a husband the head of his wife. And as the church submits to Christ, so should wives to their husbands in everything. Husbands should love their wives just as Christ loved the church and sacrificed himself for her to make her holy, 
He made her clean by washing her in the water with a form of words, so that when he took her to himself, she would be glorious, with no speck or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and faultless. In the same way, husbands must love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man to love his wife is for him to love himself. A man never hates his own body, but he feeds it and looks after it. And that is the way Christ treats the church, because it is his body and we are its living parts. For this reason, a man must leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one body. This mystery has many implications, but I am saying it applies to Christ and the church. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. You have the words of everlasting life. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. After hearing his doctrine, many of the followers of Jesus said, This is intolerable language. How could anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his followers were complaining about it and said, Does this upset you? What if you should see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh has nothing to offer. The words I have spoken to you are Spirit and they are life. There are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the outset those who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. He went on, This is why I told you that no one could come to me unless the Father allows him. After this, many of his disciples left him and stopped going with him. Then Jesus said to the twelve, What about you? Do you want to go away too? Simon Peter answered, Lord, who shall we go to? You have the message of eternal life, and we believe. We know that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So us priests in Australia this week uh, are presented with a bit of a challenge. (laughs) You see, the gospel we've had comes at the end of a series of five gospels. Um, We've been reading from the sixth chapter of John's gospel. The only problem, though, is that for us in Australia, we had it interrupted by the Feast of Mary MacKillop, which we had on the 8th of August. uh, And then after that, the Solemnity of the Assumption, which we had on the 15th of August. Uh, and now all of a sudden we've we've kind of got to pick up the thread at the end of this discourse on the bread of life, at the end of chapter 6. So <laughs> somehow we've got to get all the pieces together without having had, you know, sort of the important intervening Gospels. So maybe it's worth doing a little bit of a summary at the start. We started with the miracle of the loaves and the fish, the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus performs this miraculous work of giving food to those who are hungry. 
Uh, and then we hear that that's done in the evening. Night falls uh, and Jesus sends the disciples to go to the other side of the lake and he goes into the mountains to pray. That's when there's a storm on the lake and you know Jesus comes walking towards the disciples on the water. Uh, and then miraculously they end up at their destination. And in the morning... The crowds, they come looking for Jesus again. The ones that he'd fed are the ones in search of him. And they're the ones who've, you know, they've hunted him down and they found him. And there's a moment of sort of curiosity of like, hey, Lord, when did you come here? Like, we saw you, you know, go into the mountains, but now you're here with the disciples. Like, huh, how did that happen? And it's at that point that Jesus says, hey, look, you're looking for me, not because you've seen the signs, but because you had all the bread that you wanted to eat. And I think that's an important remark to remember once we get to the end of this chapter. Because we start this day with the crowds looking for Jesus. And they're looking for Jesus because of the bread that he gave them. And Jesus makes exactly that point, right? You're looking for me because you've got full bellies. That's the hunger that you think that I can satisfy. So you come looking for breakfast, having already had dinner. Just keep that in mind, because remember where we end up in the gospel today. The crowds, instead of looking for Jesus, walk away from Jesus. Why? Because he said that he's the bread of life, and that's not the kind of bread that they're wanting to eat. But anyway, going back to the bread of life discourse, right? Jesus starts off by saying, well, you guys are looking for me not because you've seen the signs, but because you had all the bread that you wanted to eat. Uh, and it's at that point that the whole topic comes up of the manna in the desert. The crowd says, look, Moses gave our ancestors bread from heaven. They, he gave them manna in the desert. Said, well, well, what are you going to do? And it's here that Jesus gives a bit of an explanation. He says, right, you know what? Like yesterday, you guys all received bread, right? And God was the one who fed the ancient Israelites this bread that's come down from heaven. But let's face it, the Israelites who ate that bread, they're dead. And the bread that I gave you yesterday, that's not really enough, is it? Because here you are looking for breakfast. No, there's a bread which the Father will give, which will bring eternal life. The bread of life, the true bread that's come down from heaven. And Jesus gives them a really big jolt and says, actually, that's me. I am the bread of life. I mean, take a moment to think about it, right? What does food do? It sustains us. It nourishes our life. And why do we get hungry? Because what we want most is life. What we seek, what sustains us, what nourishes us, is that which brings us life. And that's what we're truly hungry for. And Jesus says, right, that's me. I'm the one who gives life. I'm the one who has been sent by the Father. Just as the Father gave nourishment to the people in the desert, just as he sent bread from heaven to sustain them on their journey, now he's going to give something even more 
that nourishes not just our earthly existence that ends in death, but gives us the kind of nourishment that will bring the fullness of life, true life. He's going to send a new bread from heaven. In fact, he has sent a new bread from heaven. It's me. The life that is the true object of your hunger is me. And it comes from me. Now, the crowd start getting a little bit antsy, a bit uncomfortable by all of this. This is where they object. And they say, well, we know this guy, Jesus. Joseph is his father. He grew up in Nazareth. How can he now say that he's come from heaven? Now, what's interesting is that both points are actually true. Jesus is no doubt the son of Mary and Joseph, and he grew up in Nazareth, but that doesn't mean that he hasn't come down from heaven. At the heart of the passage is the fact that Jesus is in fact the son of the father. He is the word. He is the word made flesh. And, adds Jesus, the bread that he gives is his flesh for the life of the world. Now, if it wasn't the assumption last week, uh, we would have heard the gospel for the 20th Sunday of an Ordinary Time, and it would have told us this. The crowd, interestingly, don't question Jesus, but start asking each other, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now, as Christians, like we're accustomed to hearing this kind of language, but I think even for us, it's perhaps not difficult for us to imagine how hard it must have sounded to those ears listening in the crowd. But Jesus doesn't back away from the stark reality of his language. He says, no, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood in order to have life in you. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. It starts to become clearer for us what Jesus is explaining to the crowd. He's sharing his very life with the people. And because Jesus is the word of God, because he is the son of the Father, the kind of life he possesses is divine life. It's eternal life. And this life takes flesh and is born of the Virgin Mary. And as John says famously in the prologue at the beginning of the gospel, the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. Now, what Jesus is doing is showing us that this wasn't some cool trick that God performed by becoming incarnate in Jesus. No, the purpose of the incarnation, the purpose of the Son of God taking flesh and being born of a woman, was so that he could share his divine life with the people. He shares his life by giving up his body and his blood. Take my body. Take my blood. Take my very life force and you will have life too. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me, says Jesus, and I live in him. As I who am sent by the living Father myself draw life from the Father, so whoever eats me will draw life from me. That's last week's gospel. Now, when we take this together with the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves and the fish, we can see here that Jesus is claiming that he is both the giver of bread 
and that he is also the bread itself. But not just any old bread. This is the bread of life, the bread that gives true life. So, like, it's a fairly complex argument that Jesus is making to the people in Capernaum. And, you know, even though it's split up over weeks, you know, we can start to see how it all hangs together into one single unit. That really the whole of chapter 6 should be read together. You know, the feeding of the 5,000, the calming of the storm, and then the discourse itself. I I would recommend, you know, over the next week, you know, to take chapter 6 of John's Gospel and, and read the whole thing together. And, you know, use it for your own personal prayer. Anyway, once Jesus says his peace, we pick up the gospel now, when the crowd are left to make their decision. They've been presented with the means to eternal life. Jesus has told them that he is the way. In giving his flesh and his blood, we find the means of sharing in his divine life. He's the one who has come from the Father in order to give the life of God. And he feels the objection of the crowd, right? They're not prepared to say that Jesus has come from the Father and that he's the one who possesses divine life. No, 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 you're the son of Mary, you're the son of Joseph, you're just like us. And so the Lord says to them plainly, he says, well, what would you do if you saw the Son of Man going back, ascending, to where he was before. Then you'd see the kind of life that he possesses. It's a radical proposition. If you believe that I come from the Father and that I have the life of the Father, then you will come to me in order to receive that life. Because I am the one the Father has sent. I am the bread come down from heaven. Just as I am sent by the living Father myself, draw life from the Father, so whoever eats me will draw life from me. It's where I come from, and that's what I bring, the life of the Father. So this is a great crossroads moment for those who follow Jesus. He brings it all to a head and asks them to choose. Do you believe where I come from, and do you accept what I bring? Just like Joshua in the first reading, Jesus has brought about a situation where the crowd can't simply remain neutral. They can't simply be driven by curiosity anymore. They need to come to faith. Instead of just being a crowd of observers come to see a wonder worker or to eat a piece of bread, they're called to be his disciples. Now, all this eat my flesh and drink my blood language turns the crowd away. And interestingly, Jesus doesn't chase after them saying, no, wait, don't go, you've misunderstood, I only meant it symbolically. No, he sees the crowds walking away and he turns to the twelve. Well, what about you? Do you want to go away too? It's not really clear that the twelve apostles really understand what Jesus is talking about. You know, after all, they haven't had the last supper yet and Jesus hasn't suffered his passion. And all this talk about the bread of life and giving his flesh for the life of the world will make a whole lot more sense after those two events. But... In a beautiful moment, it's fitting that the Apostle Peter speaks up. He's the leader of the Apostles, the one who represents the whole church in her confession. 
Lord, who shall we go to? You have the words of eternal life, and we believe. We know that you are the Holy One of God. This marvellous profession of faith made on behalf of the Twelve and really made on behalf of the whole church touches upon an important point. It's not just that Christ is an interesting figure, a new brilliant philosopher laying out a guide on how to live. He's not a Buddha-type figure. Nor is Jesus a prophet, just relaying to us the words that God gives, constantly pointing beyond himself toward God. He's not a Muhammad-type figure. No, in the Bread of Life discourse, Jesus shows us that we need to believe in him. It's not just that he's a teacher, a philosopher, or a prophet. He's God. He's the bread come down from heaven. He's not just the one who feeds us. He's also the food that feeds us. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me and I live in him. We don't just follow Christ's teachings. We don't just imitate his way of life. We cling to him. Because through the Eucharist, he shares his very life with us. And we abide in him. And he abides in us. Thanks for praying with us. And may God bless you abundantly. So that this day may give glory to God the Father.